in an effort to bring to light a town of great peculiarity. The following is an excerpt from the Ismwood tapes. life be like if we have no courage to attempt anything? Have you ever been in a situation where you get spooked and need to leave the scene quickly? I found myself in a jump over the fence type of situation and other than leaving one of my favorite shirts atop a spear tip post, I cleared the damn thing. Alright, I buy it. What the hell is going on around here? I'm guessing you stopped by the cemetery. Stop by? Yeah, I guess you could say that. I've been to that cemetery many times. I can't seem to figure out what still draws him there. So, there's a hundred-year-old zombie monster man in the cemetery, and you're only worried why he stays there? His wife's body was moved a few years back. I've always been under the assumption that he would have moved with her, but I can't quite put my finger on why he didn't. Does it leave there, or is it stuck or something? He stays there all day. Every day. From what I understand, he's been there since before I got here. And will probably be there long after I leave. If you get my drift. Okay. So his wife. You said she was moved. She didn't get up and walk away or anything? No. Distant relatives paid to have her exhumed, so she's probably in a family plot somewhere. What I never understood is why they waited so long to move her. Someone heard the story and came looking. Well, they took their time to take her name off the tombstone, but not to leave a proper paper trail. Do you know if he even reacted when she was being dug up? If he did, no one reported it. Well, who did? We don't know. Who would let them do something like that in such a small town? Did no one notice? No one cared enough to notice, and if they did, no one said anything, and that was on the report was an anonymous tip that the body was moved by family. That's it. So when did this all happen? Was there a date? No date, time of day, no names, just she was moved by family. And nothing outside of the report? I did everything besides digging down to see her myself. Well, I could grab a couple of shovels. Um, no need. This case is years in the making and you look pretty beat up. Go home and take a breather. I've got some things to take care of. Stop back by tomorrow and check in with me. After I got back to my room, I trashed what remained of my shirt and laid in bed for six hours. After a cup of coffee, I walked out in front of the building to find a small kid crouched behind a bush. He was whispering to himself and seemed to have a pretty good time of it. I tried to nonchalantly eavesdrop on the kid just to see what was so funny. What he was saying was a rhyme. Families are what families do. You raised me to be you. Even though your time has passed, the face I see is still to last. 
Once your name is said to glass, the carousel turns and the horses pass. He repeated this over and over while looking into the window of the inn and giggling to himself. I asked the kid where the rhyme was from and accidentally startled him. He slowly worked his way out from behind the bush and told me it was a game that him and his friends play sometimes and said if I followed him, he'd show me how to play. I was planning on heading back to talk to Wagner, but I decided to follow him for a while. I could use a break from the walking corpse situation I found myself in. As we walked, he told me about his parents, house, and how cool his room was. When I asked him to further explain the game, he told me that you have to look at your reflection in some glass and say the name of a person you miss but can never see again. Then, apparently, they will appear behind you as long as you don't turn around, which I guess is what the mirror is for. He also told me that it's never worked for him, but he knows other kids who say it works. As he walked, he got more and more excited and began to pick up speed. This continued to a point that I couldn't keep up with him without running, and as much fun as that kid seemed to be having, I wasn't about to run with him. Eventually, he turned a corner and seemed to have just vanished. I yelled for him a couple times to no reply. It was weird, but what was more odd was that I somehow ended up back at the Mulberry House. I didn't even realize that was the direction we were heading. The graffiti on the trees around the house seemed heavier today. Maybe some of the kids had been back through here added to their art gallery of symbols and phrases. Or, I'm just noticing it more. I decided to venture into the house this time since I somehow made it all the way out here. The house still seems mostly furnished. Antique furniture and various picture frames stand out against the sturdy wooden walls. The house is made up of two floors, the bottom having a few bedrooms. These were completely empty of furniture of any kind. A kitchen and a living room with a fireplace and two armchairs facing the fireplace. Upstairs contains a couple of bathrooms, two more typical bedrooms, also empty, and a large master bedroom. This bedroom still held a large bed with dresses on either side of it. I'm not sure why some of the rooms still have this really nice furniture and others don't. I'm surprised no one has come here and taken this bed especially. It's huge and looks to be in really good shape. Must have been an easy move. Even most of the clothes were left behind. Closet looks untouched, even left some of Miss Mulberry's more intimate wear. The master bathroom has two sinks and one large broken mirror. This seems to be the only thing in the house that has seen any wear or tear at all. I bet this mirror is a central theme in that reflection game that kid was talking about since this house seems to mean so much to the town's history and if it's the only thing in this place that's broken, that's my best guess. Well, as they say, when in Rome, I've played these games before, gotta have a light off. Natalina Moore. What the f- Hi. I saw you go into the house and I, uh, I just wanted to check on you. You were in there for a long time. Were you following me? Why'd you knock on the door like that? You could have just came in and helped save me the heart attack. I didn't, uh, I didn't want to go into the house. I just, I just wanted to make sure you were okay. Can we talk in the yard, please? Uh, sure. I'm, uh, 
I'm sorry, there's a lot. Uh, you're a reporter, right? Something like that. Do you need something? Where are you from? Why? Why are you here? Excuse me? I don't even know who you are. Listen, I don't have much time. I need a reporter. I need you. There's a lot going on around here, and it needs to be told. I've prepared you a small packet, and I'm telling you, there's more. Oh, there is so much more. Check this out, and then come and find me. Okay? Um, okay. Where do I find you? It's in the packet. Well, can I at least get your name? It doesn't matter. Read the packet. Find me. I'm from a big city. The big city. I've walked the streets, lit, dark, scary, boring, and otherwise identified. I went to college. I got a degree in journalism from a renowned institute and have written for a few papers most people may have heard of. I've dug things up and found things out about people most others wouldn't even dream of. In the end, what I'm trying to say is, well, I've seen some shit. Horse and otherwise. I came here on a whim, call it an adventure, to satisfy some sort of lull that came about in my life, or call it a desperate attempt to find purpose in life, or at least something a little bit fulfilling. My first impression of this guy was that he was either on to something hard, or that he was on something hard. Now, I have not figured out where the best spot in a small village in the woods to get something that would make you follow someone out to an old abandoned house yet, but I guess it exists. I keep telling myself not to judge a book by its cover or whatever, but this is an old notebook with notes wrapped in twine and the random grocery store receipts really help top the whole thing off. With all the church programs, flyers, clippings, pages torn from books, and damn near impossible to read hand-scribbled notes, I'm convinced there's nothing here, and this man has totally redefined my previous notions of what the word shit is. The phrase completely useless comes to mind. But, I don't know. This isn't a big city. There isn't that many people around. Maybe if the town crazy chooses to be some sort of maniac conspiracy theorist, maybe there's a point to actually look into this. Maybe? I don't know. Maybe I'll put some more time into it. Even if it's a waste of time, at this point, any time used is time well spent. I only just started to notice how some of the more formal and upstanding male citizens of Isamwood have noticeable bumps on their shoulders under their jackets. They think they can hide their demonic influence from the public, but I know for a fact that these are the gin lords brought to our small village by the hooded ones. These men are feeding on children. One of the hikers came into town and told me he saw them kidnap two women from another city and drag them into the Mulberry House. They take them down there to sire helpless little babes and feed them to the ever-hungry house. I, myself, saw a man walk into the house and press himself so hard against the wall of the front facade of this house that his entire being, blood and bone, was absorbed by that monstrosity. This zealotous feeding of oneself is a classic example of the brainwashing people get from just the air of this hell hole. This is how they can keep such a low profile even in this small corrupt hamlet. Their grip ever tightens on this town and the souls of every single citizen present. 
the rest of the world seems also to be taken, and I fear it may be too late for us on the surface. This elaborate recording was, of course, also written on the rough side of a torn-apart cereal box. I did find on a small piece of wood inside the packet a warning, probably for me, that they can hear any words that are written on traditional paper. This is a man of obvious repute. I simply walked outside a moment after reading this that I myself one of these Jin lords. I realized he was speaking of was definitely shoulder pads that lined the shoulders of some people's suits. Also, due to my own experiences with the damn house, I could discredit all of this stuff immediately. After working through a couple of panels of these crazed notes, I did run into something that honestly caught my eye. On the back of one of the faded receipts he had written, Sect of Oki, Meredith Gifford, Miranda Beals, Patrick Martin, Susan Ortega, and Tyler Johnson. Susan freaking Ortega. This is the geologist who wrote the report that led me here. With all of the weird mirror games and zombies running around, I totally forgot about what led me here in the first place. I finally have something noting Susan Ortega's existence. This is the person I need to look into. This may be where the real beginning of this story lies. I'll give the crazy guy credit. He didn't give me much, and though it may not have been what he intended, but his ramblings did help me return to clarity as to why I'm here. So... Thanks, crazy guy. Hey, kid. Hey, ah. Uh, I've been, uh, I've been looking for you. Have you really? Yeah, you shouldn't be out here alone. You sort of, you sort of disappeared on me last time and... Last time? Yeah, last time. Don't you remember? Maybe. Maybe not. I have a lot of friends. So many I can't count them all. Poppy little kid, are ya? Uh-huh, and I ain't little, mister. Okay, you're not little as long as I'm not a mister. Call me Alessio. What's Alessio? <laughs> no, it's Alessio. One word, it's my name. What's yours? Did you play the game, Alessio? So, you remember me after all, huh? Well, did ya? Not quite. I started, but I couldn't finish. What's the matter, chicken? No, I just didn't finish. Something came up. It's okay. Lots of people are scared to even go into that house. How'd you know I went in? I could've just went home. Too bad. You went there instead of with me. We could've had a lot of fun at my house. Well, you left me. I thought you wanted me to stay at that house. I can't help if you're too slow. Just like how I can't help that you're a scaredy cat. I like that house. People leave it alone, and it's so big and pretty, and one time I even slept in one of the beds. Did you now? Uh-huh. It was nice and cozy, too. Are you scared again, scaredy cat? I wouldn't say that. I just don't trust it. You don't trust a house. That's silly. I mean, I guess when you say it out of context, it, you haven't heard the ghost stories? I'm sure you and your many friends talk about it all of the time. You mean how the house eats people up? I've been in there a million times and never even seen a mouth on that house. It ain't eating nobody. But I like the stories. 
The more there are, the more I have the house to myself. It's one of my secret places. Well, be careful going out there alone, kid. That's... There's weird people around, and I don't want you getting hurt. I'm sure your parents don't either. No one is gonna hurt me, mister. Alessio. Uh, Alessio, I'm too quick for everyone in this town. I've checked. You're a strange little kid, you know that? I'm not little, I told ya. Uh, Alessio, I gotta be going now. Past your curfew? I can't keep bear waiting. Bear? Is that another one of your friends? What? You haven't heard of Bear? He's only my bestest bud in the whole wide world. You'll have to introduce me one day. Maybe the three of us could uh, play that game together. Uh, I don't think so. Bear don't like playing that game that much. If you feed the rumors, they move closer and closer to the truth. Maybe you would if it was the three of us. No, I'm also scared to ask him. I'm afraid he may not want to be my friend no more if I did. Well, if it means anything, I'll be your friend. It, it don't mean nothing. Then well, okay then. I'm sorry, Alessio. I really gotta go. Promise me you won't tell Bear. I'm sure I'll never bump into your friend, kid. Promise. Alright, alright, I promise I won't tell Bear. You better not. Wagner wasn't in his office when I got there. I thought about going to go and ask Carlo if he'd ever heard anything about my missing geologist, but I decided against it. His overly cluttered house made me feel rather claustrophobic, and I was really digging the fresh air. So I decided to try my first tactic I used when I got into town, and talking to one of the locals. After circling the center of the village for a few minutes, I noticed two people who kept darting back and forth between the trees by the general store. I walked their way, but it seemed every step that I took toward them, they took one twice as far away. I'm not sure what it is with the people of this town and being the fastest people on the planet, but I still haven't recovered from chasing that kid across town and did not pursue these backpack-donning individuals. I took another jaunt around the square. For being in the midst of so many trees, I realized there isn't much of an ambiance at Isamwood besides the wind. Not much for music, bugs, birds, or even the sounds of people, just wind. It's odd, but it's also kind of peaceful. Another lap around the village center, I thought about giving up and finally saw Wagner approaching his office. She wanted into town a little while ago. She seemed very focused on taking some sort of uh, core samples out at the cemetery. She asked around for a caretaker or anyone who was in charge of the cemetery. I told her she would probably be fine as long as she didn't disturb the graves and that there is a man who stands out there and would not cause her any trouble, but regardless, should be left alone. She handed me some form describing what she was planning to do, then she sort of just turned and left. It seemed like she had just arrived in town. I didn't see her after that. I just figured she got what she wanted and took off. So, no further investigation? What about you? What about the, uh, what about the Warsaw case? What about it? Off the record. Off the record. Wagner gave me a copy of a form she gave him and a description he wrote of her. 
Dr. Susan Ortega, approximately 177 centimeters tall. She is a fair-skinned woman that has an out-of-place feel about her. She has a wide face, bulbous nose, and thick lips. Her dark brown eyes are angular. She has dark, thick eyebrows, shoulder-length wavy, dark brown hair, which is neatly braided. She has short arms and a thin torso, with an average waist and short legs. She had on khaki-colored clothes, shirt vest and shorts, a black backpack, a notebook in a breast pocket, and pencils protruding out of her short pockets and the spiral of the notebook. She did not appear to have any visible scars, piercings, or tattoos. Jesus Christ! Does he write these for everyone in town? I mean, I get that he's supposed to be observant or whatever, but damn! Well, anyway, that's apparently exactly what she looks like. Jeez. The form that he gave me had a quite a bit of science-y bits to, as to how uh, core sampling works and the attempt to not damage the core or the area around it. It also seems uh, she was interested in collecting some data from the oldest grave on site for comparative testing. Overall, it just seemed to be a way to inform whoever she gave this to what she was doing and that it wouldn't affect any of the village's loved ones of daily life. According to Wagner, she left after that, but that program I got from Mr. Slings and Arrows seemed fairly recent. Maybe. I'll have to find the will to suffer through Harlow's house again. I imagine if someone dug into anything in this town, Harlow would probably have something on it. I'm probably going to wait until tomorrow to go. I'm still recovering from my hurtling fences and chasing a superhuman speed child around the quietest town on Earth. keep trying to sleep, to rest or what not, but I keep thinking about the silence of the town. Listen, not to get all poetical, but after being here a few days, the lack of sound really seems to make any words that happen to be said really pop. The more and more I keep thinking about this, the more I think of that little poem the kid kept repeating that's part of that game. Families are what families do. You raise me to be you. Even though your time has passed, the face I see is still the last. Once your name is set to blast, the character turns. And the forces pass. Thank you for listening to the Isamwood Tapes. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to our major platforms through their links in the description. Also, let us know what you think of this episode in the comments below. We would love to hear from you and bring you more of the Isamwood Tapes.